0: Progressives basically, you know, they came out, of, well, there was a generational thing. They were the youngsters of the 60s are fighting against their parents. Um, and it was an ideology that sort of came out of rebellion. And it's always defined itself by, you know, by being, you know, against the man. And then once you, you are the man, like, what, what do you do then?
1: Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kissin. And this is a show for you if you want Honest Conversations with fascinating people. Our brilliant guest today is a
2: writer for Unheard and an author Ed West. Welcome to Trigonometry. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you on. Um we've been really enjoying many of the articles you wrote and your latest book Small Men on the Ro- Wrong Side of History which Thanks. is about the decline and potential unlikely return of conservatism as you put it and we'll get into that of course. Um but before we get into the conversation itself let me ask you a very broad question which is mainly who are you how are you where you are what has
0: been your journey through life? Um, well, as I sort of put in the book, the book is basically a bit of autobiography as well. Um, I'm one of those lame people who's never went on that sort of journey from left to right, which I sort of, I always feel jealous of those people yeah. because, um, I suppose I was basically always quite conservative. And, uh, but as I got older, I sort of noticed that my friends were actually becoming like more liberal as the whole, you know, the whole world basically went in the direction. So that was the amazing book. Um, I am mean, from London. My parents are both journalists. So it was kind of inevitable that I'd get into this. My dad was a foreign correspondent during the Cold War, and he started off as a communist, and he became very reactionary, like comically reactionary. Um, so he I went think- full Peter Hitchens, did he? Oh, yeah, I think he went beyond Peter Hitchens. Yeah. I mean, he, was, yeah, he, he was like anti-enlightenment, he thought was a terrible idea. You know, He's, he, you know he was basically pro-medieval, really. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it's a bit eccentric. So that's why I, I think that, you know, basically influenced me. So I was basically born with the red pill, you know, in my mouth. It was just, mm. there was never any of that youthful frolicking with liberalism. Um, so, yeah, so that was very much like the Cold War sort of background atmosphere. So we sort of knew all about that. Um, you know, as communism was kind of this great evil um, And now I've grown up and the communists are sort of winning, I think, in a way, in a strange way, psychologically.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that because one of the most fascinating articles I've read in recent times was your piece about how actually the Cultural Revolution is complete right maybe let's get right into that tell w- w- when you say the communists are kind of winning what do you mean it sounds a bit reds under the bed to a lot of people
0: yeah it probably might make me sound like a bit of a loony but that's probably true um <laughs> my basic thing is what i noticed about you know the kind of people in the past you'd have like personality traits match politics so if you're quite um if you're quite conscientious and uptight and you know really obsessed with, like i was really early today because i'm conservative i hate being late um so conscientious people tend to be like quite conservative, while People who are more neurotic and more open-minded tend to be liberal, so that's why the arts are liberal. But what I noticed more and more recently is that if you meet someone who's very conscientious and uptight, the kind of person in the 50s who would be like, you know, your arch-conservative, they now, the young ones anyway, tend to sort of believe in all the sort of progressive sort of ideas, the dominant ideas. You know, they will will be obviously very pro-Remain, um, they will be, they'll be quite sympathetic to BLM because it's like a decent thing to do, you know, equality. Um, and so Gareth Southgate was basically like a, a sort of stopping off point of that article. You know, he said that we should take the knee. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting that like now that's what happens when a revolution is done. You know, the actual revolution has become quite conservative because now they're fixed in place. They control things. I mean, it's the same with the communist regimes in Eastern Europe were like very conservative. They're full of old men. They hated change. They were now fixed in place. Um, and so, you know, they had their own sort of moral order and they didn't want it changed. And I think that's what's kind of happened, you know, the, the period we grew up in, I mean, especially comedy, like the golden age of comedy was probably around the turn of the millennium in my view, because, um, everything was kind of up for grabs. Everything was like Seinfeld is all about, cause no one knows what the, what is like the social norm about stuff. There's less confusion. Um, now that like, so much comedy, which couldn't be made in 2000, I mean, which was made in, like that period, which couldn't have been made in the 60s, now can't be made again. Now, I use the example of Life of Brian, which could never be made now, uh, just as it could never have been made in 1960. I mean, the joke about, you know, a man who called himself a woman, which would obviously have been so self-evidently stupid in that time. You just, that would be impossible to make now. Um, you couldn't blaspheme Jesus because he's a prophet of Islam. Uh, you know, there is. And, <laughs> I mean, there is basically a de facto like, blasphemy law about Islam, is that people don't want to be beheaded. Generally, generally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a good career move. It's generally not a good, you know, so <laughs> generally. I mean, loads of people come up with this. Oh, you know, well, I think oh, I want to punch down. I don't want to, like, you know, because they're minorities. Like, I, I want my head on my body. That's like a basic... It's about fear. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the trans thing is also. You know, that's also enforcing fear, and that's a sort of new like pride, like all the sort of the teen- teenagers like love pride and pride is basically the same as like 100 years ago or 50 years ago if you went to Malta or Ireland or Poland and the Corpus Christi procession where in June all the kids dress up and you know uh show their faith in the sort of state religion and now pride is basically that i mean that so to summarize your argument
2: what you're really saying is we had a cultural revolution yeah. where a lot of these progressive ideas were advanced and embedded into society. And now we're at the point where it's the sort of middle management rung of society, the people who, who used to be the face of conservatism, right, tradition, yeah. et cetera. This has become the new conservative tradition in a way.
0: This says. Even, I mean, it's based on some very, like, unconservative ideas. Fundamentally, progressivism is unconservative because it's, you know, it's based on a blank slate. It's all these kind of ideas which are think. Mm. I mean, you know, the Scott Alexander, I don't even follow him. He writes his blog in California. It's just great. It's the best blog. And he makes the example, you know, he talks about the kind of like maiden aunts in the 50s who disapproved of everyone. And, you know, the one, the kind of classic maiden aunt who young men really didn't like because they were stopped from having fun. You know, so tell you off your language, tell you off about what you're saying, you're reading the wrong books. Those, if you heard about someone who is stopping you reading books now or telling you about about language, you could guarantee 100% they'll be on the left. It'll be, I mean, it's almost guaranteed, you know. That same person is now saying, You can't read that book because that can't have that book because it's racist rather than you know, because it was sexual. Or, um, you know, I don't want these bad people who have the wrong ideas. Sort of. I mean, there are just you know, there are so many different examples of that where there is you know, ideas are now fixed and there are sort of moral codes, you know, like we had the C words and now it's the N words. I mean, mm. the, I think in the sense, you know, every society needs these kind of taboos and needs these you know things that can't be said um but you know it's and also the other thing is the moral relativism that was a massive thing you know that was a classic sort of like daily mail mm. things so, all oh, these moral relativists like when was the last time you heard like, talked about the left being moral relativists then they're, they're not i mean they are completely the most i mean as left broadly i mean the sort of the activists on campus the sort of progressives you know the work people they're, they're not moral relativists. they're absolutely um confirmed in their moral beliefs you know there's there's no doubt about it whatsoever so that's what happens when you take control you don't allow these kind of questions of of doubt anymore
1: and what effect does that have on society that we're not allowed to question that we're not allowed to play with these kind of ideas
0: i mean i, I don't i think you can never have effective outcomes if you have taboos about what is what is true i mean i think the afghanistan thing is a classic example the US, I mean, how the US has spent, is it a trillion and it's going to be two, t- trillion. To be $2 trillion when, you, you know, deal with all the broken lives back in America. This was all based on a completely fraudulent idea of what, Af- what is possible with Afghan society. You know, it's a completely naive idea we can turn Afghanistan into a liberal state. It's a very, you know, tribal culture, even taking away the religious, because there are Muslim countries which can be liberal, but Afghanistan is an incredibly clannish society. It was just never going to happen. If you could openly say, listen, the Afghans are not going to be liberal Democrats. Um, There's huge amounts of taboos about stuff like that. So instead, that kind of really wasn't discussed properly. The result was thousands of deaths, 20 years of wasted lives, you know, $2 trillion. You know, you should have absolutely... I don't believe there should be no taboos, but you should be able to sort of say really uncomfortable truths. The truth
2: should not be taboos, what you're really saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, and there are loads of areas where, you know, we can never really say honestly what we think the truth is because no one wants their lives ruined, do they? I mean, no one really wants to be a heretic, do they, or... I mean they don't crush people, they don't put them in gulags anymore, but no one wants to be unemployable or, you know, even worse, have your you know, bank card removed or you know, in the worst cases.
1: I mean, let's push back on that a little bit. Ed. There are people who have made careers that are being cancelled. That is one of the arguments, and gained a certain notoriety right. for themselves.
0: So is that really true? I think there is you know, there are certain people who enjoy that kind of thing. I'm certain you have to be really disagreeable kind of person. Mm. Um you know, it's like Katie Hopkins or someone who likes being this kind of pantomime villain, likes being hated, um, and then you can make a certain money. But even they get, you know, the, the career move is very short. Even like someone like Milo, Indianapolis, you know, eventually he was taken off Twitter, and it was like, oh, we're we'll make him stronger and more notorious. No, no it just ended his career. Now he's on some like no-mark social website. Um, but very few people. I mean, and those are sort of professional. You know, a professional columnist can say these things to a certain extent and be hated, and they'll still get a job. But it's the people in sort of ordinary jobs who can't say it. I mean, loads and loads of people have been sacked. For example, even after the BLM thing, you know, loads of people saying, oh, you know, can I just point out George Floyd wasn't like exactly a saint? You know, he might have actually done something, uh, you know, been to prison and blah, blah. And, you know, like eight, there were like eight or nine people who were sacked after that in Britain um, in various small jobs. You know, there's a policeman who sent a a George Floyd joke on this, mm. you, know, thing. Prosec- you know, he was actually, you know, he's actually prosecuted by the police. That's a joke. It's literally a blasphemy law. It's some um, I mean that it's, I mean that is, you know, a real issue. I think that people do feel like slightly scared to so voice opinions.
1: They, they do feel that. I, I completely agree. They yeah. do feel scared to voice opinions. How have we let it go this far though? Because surely ev- the vast majority of people in this country. What, don't agree with that. They
0: don't agree with, the, with yeah. where
1: we've ended up.
0: I don't know. I mean, how many people are in the Taliban? They're quite small, aren't they? They managed to like take over the country. I mean, I think a very small number of people they are quite determined can really share. I mean, what is the latest polls? I mean, like 8% of Americans would identify themselves as woke or something. Um, and, you know, those 8% happen to be disproportionately educated, you know, well-off, influential, and also, like, very determined. They're very small minority can really change the country rapidly change the culture um and you know you'll have that eight percent but you'll have another 20 percent who probably think well you know i'm not really them, them but I, I dislike the right more so give them a you know one of the examples in, i use in the book is you know the reformation it's, you know the reformation started there were tiny little minority in university in not university well in cambridge and london who are sort of you know radical protestants and they you know they were a tiny minority and then 50 years later they were the majority, and then. And the, you know, the Catholics all of a sudden were you know the wrong side of history.
2: It's interesting you mentioned the Reformation because the Reformation, of course, I mean, arguably was caused by technological progress, right? The printing right. press essentially allowed people to yeah, be disseminate. Yeah, it be impossible
0: without it, yeah. And it's kind of similar to where we are now. Yeah, I mean, where it's, apparently I was there, exactly. I mean, not that the internet starts it um, and then social media kind of accelerates it. I mean, the Great Awakening, there had been like such a rapid change in um, public opinion in, amongst Democrats in America, particularly upper middle class, In just eight years, which is just so unprecedented, that amount of shift. Um, And that is entirely social media led, I I think. You know, it's just, it can spread ideas um, so quickly. To
2: the point where I think Barack Obama running in 2012 or talking in 2014 can talk about the southern border in exactly the same way that Donald Trump talked about it. But in in a period of six or eight years, we've gone from that position being the standard position shared across both parties to where now anyone who says what Barack Obama said only a few years ago is now, you're just racist
0: now. You can, I mean, you can... Trump's tone is obviously terrible... Yeah, no, yeah, but, yeah I mean, absolutely. Uh, what his actual policies... And you track them... What, what, and, you know, what, what Clinton was saying about... And Clinton's, you know, immigration advisor, you know, who's a black woman in the mid-90s, what was saying about diversity immigration would just put you so beyond the pale. And that was just completely normal. Um, and, you know, people... I say, of course, society's changed, but change so quickly uh, in such rapid space is... Uh, I think, like, generally disturbing. I mean, I... I mean, at what point... You know, I know people disagree about, oh, the you know, younger people are going to rebel about it. I mean, I've always been a bit pessimistic about that. Although recently I've kind of slightly changed my mind. I think maybe there will be a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, what when people will say, oh, you know, like the transgender movement, another issue where people are, you know, genuinely scared. So it comes more and more extreme um, positions become normalized. And I always think oh, at what point, you know, When's the sort of, you know, the retreat, when's the you know, fight back going to come? And it just never does. It just gets more and more bizarre until something that was completely normal four years ago. Now is considered like, you know, hate speech, literally. Um, Ed, what would you say to those people who go, look, mate, hang on a second here.
1: We've got a conservative government in charge. The reality is, uh, with the way Labour is, we're never going to get a leftist government, for, certainly for the next few years, you know, let's say 10 years. Yeah.
0: No, no, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, what, what are you complaining about? I mean, the Conservative Party is very good at, you know, at maintaining power um, by by basically accepting the amount of change, and that's fine. And you know, being a more moderate version. But you know, I would argue, Conservatives have limited political power in this country. I mean, it's limited by the fact that you have to get elected, and you know, they've got the majority. But the left has like absolute cultural power. You know, like almost there is almost zero um, opposition to leftist cultural power. So I don't use the deep state, but all the institutions that run the country are basically leftists. And there's very little, seems very like little conservative appetite. It's like, to actually fight that would be a really, really like costly effort. When you
2: say fight, you, so when you talk about the institutions, what, the BBC, I'm guessing? I'm, I mean,
0: not just the BBC, but I mean like, think, like charities, for example. Um, you know, if you meet people working in the home office, you're, you know, people will say, oh, I don't believe in prison. It's a sort of, you know, it's barbaric. We're, in a hundred years' time, we'll have no prisons, like... You, your job is to people put people in prison. Like, how can you... Or the Ministry of Justice, sorry. Um, you know, p- the people within that are not conservatives. And, I mean, even with even this thing of Stonewall, like Stonewall, you know, the government says, oh, we're going to have some fight back. We're going to stop Stonewall, cooperate with Stonewall um, over the trans things. Like, what on earth was Stonewall doing in schools in the first place? You're in, you've been in power for 10 years. That is a very, you know, progressive organisation. That is not something you should be supporting. And the only reason really fight back on, on, you know, the trans issue was was via basically feminists, who are the people who sort of got the balls, so to speak, mm. to stand up to more extreme elements. So the, you can't even, you know, conservatives can't even fight that issue. They have to sort of get leftist allies to do the fighting for them. So there's, you know, very, this is why, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I'm not, you know, so mad about Brexit, is that I think they've just put all their kind of, all their effort was going into Brexit, basically. Like, we've got to win this one argument. And, you know, what little energy we've got is going to go in this and... You know, we're not going to bother with any other sort of basic fight. We have to have
1: Ed. I think we've come, and I to a point, and I, I'm sure that you would agree with this, where the labels we traditionally use—left, right, conservative, liberal—they've kind of lost their meaning, right? Because 20 years ago, you could argue that everybody sitting in this room is a liberal.
2: Not him. No, no, He came out of the room. Yeah, but,
1: but, but, you know. They let, but, used to
2: crush the red pill into his breast, man. No. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but let's be go. fair look, <laughs> I, I imagine,
1: hates. you know, you're, you know, I imagine pro gay marriage, you know, all of these things, which you would ascribe to being liberal, right? Yeah. Okay. Now we fast forward whatever it is 20 years. I don't think anybody in this room
0: would be described as liberal. I'm liberal.
1: Well I mean you but you see No you're
2: using
0: your American language
2: Yeah yeah, yeah. This we, we,
0: we you know we've lost that battle. I mean I, I'm, I would I'm agree. liberal.
2: I believe in freedom. So,
0: yeah. I believe in maximizing people's freedom. Why when did that stop being liberal? It just did. I mean I would definitely say what you I mean what the what Americans know as liberal is very is, is in no way liberalism. You not know, Right. Yeah. It's it's the real shame that, that you know, both opponents insist on, you know, calling them liberals still. They just refuse to do it as a principle. You know, the the ideology, which I suppose began Really had its roots in the 60s. That progr- I call it progressivism because I don't know. I think that's what they. I think way. it's fair to. Yeah. That's, they would. They would be fair with that. It's not an insulting term. Um, it believes in certain core issues, but you know, it doesn't. It's not. It's not pro free speech necessarily. Like mm. progressives tend to be anti. It's not. It's not fr- pro um, freedom of association, which is by by definition racist and sexist. Um, you know, it doesn't believe in those kind of core like beliefs that John Locke came up with. So it's in no way liberal. Conservatism is still—I mean, I don't left and right. I mean, I think there is still a sort of basic psychological mindset that differs between left and right. There is still a that was always track. I
2: guess what what you're getting at though is Peter Hitchens, for example, would yeah. say the Conservatives are no longer conservative either,
0: right? Exactly. Yeah, he's been saying, yeah I mean, and he's been saying that for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Hitchens; he's great. Yeah. yeah,
1: and the, and the second part. So these labels don't really mean what they used to mean. Was right. my point right?
0: I think that's partly because progressives are in power and so once you're in power you're like your your mindset changes i mean my problem is like progressives basically you know they came out of, well, there was a generational thing they were the youngsters of the 60s are fighting against their parents um and it was an ideology that sort of came out of rebellion and it's always defined itself by you know by being you know against the man and then once you you are the man like what, what do you do then i mean like how do you then frame it you know, you just end up fighting these complete, like, straw man battles against, like, an establishment which is just completely gone. You know, all this thing about, oh, you know, why, why aren't we being taught, like, about the, you know, the British... Empire? This is all the stuff you're not taught at school about the British... Empire. It's like, when was the last time, like, tissue teacher teachers were, like, really right-wing? It's like, when I was down <laughs> in the 80s, they, you know, they they weren't, like, members of the Empire Loyalists at the time. But, like, teachers have been lefty for, like, 50 or 60 years. Like, who are you, who are you arguing against? You're arguing against something that stopped being true... You know, they're making out like kids like, learning our island story at school, but all they're fighting against is like, a society that never really exists anymore. Um, it's interesting that you said because I think that's so true in
2: comedy that a lot of comedians, certainly not in our experience or in my experience, felt like they were pushing against the system. Right. When it was quite clearly observable by the decisions that, that were being made, who was being booked to do TV, etc., that that way of thinking is embedded as the system. Exactly. I mean, comedy. like,
0: you're not, it's, it's not. So you're not, not real, fighting back yeah.
2: against the man. You're not fighting back against anything. You
0: are part of the system that's propagating itself. I mean, that does make, you know, good comedy. So, like, you know, Dave Allen, when he made jokes about the Catholic Church, mm. I mean, that's mm. the classic example I use. People were really scared of the church then, in Ireland, in mm. particular. You know, like, they can make your life misery. Yeah. Um so when he was sort of making these kind of jokes, it'd be real that'd be really funny because people would be thinking that you know, I've been thinking I've been thinking that my whole life and I can't say it. Um but yeah, I mean if you're making sort of jokes about a sort of conservative system now, there's just you know people Where is uh, it? Ever, like everyone says that. I mean, what's the mm. Yeah. Literally you know, there's the pride flag flying from all our government buildings. Like where's where's the humour there?
1: So the second part of my question. Right, Ed, yeah. No, it's good you apologize. No, <laughs> <laughs> but not I is, love watching English people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sure sorry. What, sorry. Um, what does it mean? What is conservatism now? What does it mean to be a conservative?
0: Well, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I didn't actually finish answering the first one. So the Conservative Party has always been an alliance between conservatives and liberals. I mean, that has been for, well, not always. It's been for about since the Labour Party arose. So, you know, you have different factions within it, which, you know, Liz Truss is a, is a liberal. And that's fine, because it's basically... The Conservative Party was like an anti-socialist alliance. So its main job was to stop basically, like, Labour ruining the economy. <laughs> um, you know, so... But at the time, Labour... You know, between Labour and Conservatives, there wouldn't have been, like... Until the 60s, there was no kind of cultural differences. They all would have been... You know, they all would have been, by today's standards, completely beyond the pale. Um, and it only changed in the 60s, and Labour started becoming more liberal. So, yeah, you're right, I mean... There are some, like, Conservative MPs who are, like, you know, full-on Conservative. I mean, what does it mean? The Jacob Rees-Moggs of the world. Jacob, yeah, he's, yeah, he is a, uh, I suppose he's a proper Conservative, isn't he? I mean, he I He looks would say, like one, anyway. I mean, yeah, he looks like, I mean, I, I never know if he's, is he larping or not? Is this all, like, a bit of a persona? I don't know. I don't know him, so. Mm. Um, but he's a, but the point you're making is, is, is a fair one. He's a parody of a Conservative. I think that's the only way you can actually get away. That now is by becoming a bit of a, like a bit of a joke, or like you can't do, do it on an ironic You can't level. do it
2: earnestly because no. then you're just a monster.
0: Yeah, exactly. Then you'd just be treated like you're so beyond the power. I mean, the problem. Is, well, I suppose you know the conservative classic argument. Would say, oh, I'm just there to put the brakes on, or you know, driving the speed limit, or um, sort of stop things accelerating. The problem is like when things accelerate so much, if your job is just to slow things down, it's like what are we heading towards? Like. I mean, take with the trans issue or like with diversity, like at one point you just say, like, no, <laughs> enough. There's no one, I mean, it seems very hard for someone to articulate that without kind of being monsters. And I think there isn't really, there isn't much kind of like, no one's really volunteering to be that kind of the bad guy. It's, it's, um, I mean, a basic point, since about the 1990s, conservative like opinions have been publicly quite taboo, like saying, you know, Probably conservative stuff.
1: Now like, what what are we talking about?
0: Well, I think if you look back at um say the immigration thing in the late nineties, you know, Blair massively increased immigration. Um, and I had to sort of, I did the report ages ago on the BBC, did this. And in some you know, some cases they'll have like five or six people lining up saying this is great, amazing, and then you have one um, you know, bad Tory. It's basically his job was like the guy in wrestling dressed up like Iranian, yeah. You know. They must have like, you know, baddie music. And it was all presented as like you know how can you you know possibly object to a multicultural society? You know you're basically a monster. You're an Enoch Powell. You're you know you're beyond the pale. And you know this is a the conservative view was was supported by the majority of people. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Still is arguably. Yeah. Although that's kind of losing because you know just reality. You know the thing with like diversity is once you have diversity, it's you know taboo. It's, irre- it's irre- irreversible because it, it will be so monstrous to reverse it. Um. So can't point enough. And then. Like, where does it stop? I mean, with all these processes with progressism, there's no end point, that's the mm-hmm. thing. You know, the, you just can't really just sign surrender papers and say, okay, it's over now, can we just move on to the next, you know, can we just get on with our lives? Okay. Um, there has to be. I mean, that's the thing with the gay marriage. So gay marriage is a good thing. It's, it's you know, it's definitely defensible on conservative grounds. I wonder, would you have gay marriage and, and just end it there? Or will it, that gay marriage inevitably leads to, like, the, the trans stuff becoming really, like, extreme... I don't know. I mean, is it possible to end any of these changes at one point and just say, that's good, and I don't want any more? Do you, I'm not sure it is, really. Do you buy into
1: the argument that a lot of these institutions like Stonewall did great work in the 1960s, when, let's be let's be honest, gay people faced real oppression? Yeah. I mean, Stonewall's from later. They were named after. Um, yeah. 60s, 70s, sorry, yeah. 70s, and all the rest of it. But they had their roots in the 60s, etc. Yeah, well, they're named after the Stonewall riots. Yeah, yeah I
0: mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, every revolution like, has good points, right? Mm. I mean, the French Revolution uh, was, you know, very necessary. The system had to change. You know, I would argue that, like, beheading thousands of people might have been a bit of an excess. Um, That's a very but-
1: English way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. As, as, uh,
2: uh, Yezrov, uh, a Soviet functionary whose job it was to kill off all the people in the
0: purges, said, that when you chop wood, uh, little bits will fly. Mm. I mean, uh, I'm reading a a book about the Russian Revolution. I mean, I'd say there's probably not much that came out of that, but you know, the system was rotten to start with. Mm. Yeah, there was loads that need you know change in society in the 60s. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't argue about that. I just think revolu- sort of revolutions have in themselves a sort of a uh, no real endpoint. So it's you know it's inevitably just going to go more and more sort of crazy.
2: What about the idea that I think a lot of people are hopeful? And look, as you say, you, you, you were a conservative from <laughs> from birth. Uh I, I I'm not conservative, I think, temperamentally. I don't know about Francis. I think you're becoming conservative, aren't you, mate? I
1: I'm gonna be on it. Yeah, I think I am.
2: Yeah, there we go. He's still pretending well, I mean the, I say As something. you get older you just can't help it. No, but yeah. the thing is the thing is the, the the what's happened is Francis was always on the old school left. It's just the old school left is now yeah, so that, that's, conservative, yeah. right? I and mean,
0: that is definitely true. There's,
2: uh, but but a lot of people like me who who are simultaneously not conservative but also deeply deeply against this progressive yeah. ideology, the hope I have is as you you alluded to earlier that young people rebel against the, the the their their parents' generation essentially, and now the children that are being born now are from basically this point forward going to be born to millennials and younger people right so the if there are any children,
0: I mean, which is another issue with a two shade my friend, too I mean, uh,
2: But but those that are those yeah. that are being born, they are going to be, they're going to be looking at their parents being useless and talking about adulting and yeah. looking at that, going actually, you know, we need to go full trad. Don't you think that's going to happen? I think
0: I think maybe. I mean, if you if you've got a liberal mindset, you don't like sanctimonious people telling you off, saying you can't do that, and then right. you know, inevitably the, those people now. That's I mean, my issue with this whole ideology. I mean, as as a kid, I you know, I when I went to church, I really didn't like the sort of the sanctimonious old people who sort of say, "Look, I'm better than you, blah blah." blah. Look, I'm, I'm miserable. <laughs> the whole point is, it's a very like a miserable Irish Catholic church, and just sort of, the whole point is, to look, i more miserable, and, and I'm better than you because I'm more miserable. Mm. Uh, you're smiling, like you can't do that. <laughs> um, and those, and that's what I sort of I saw a lot of that amongst lefties. That kind of, you know, I'm. I'm taking this more seriously. The environment's more important to me. I take racism more seriously. All that kind of thing. Um, So I kind of get that. And so if you aren't of that mindset, um, then, yeah, you probably will be a bit bit more opposed to it. I mean, I think with the, like the trans thing is really interesting because the trans thing, I mean, the argument that, like a lot of feminists say, which I think is true, is that it's like a very... Cons- I mean, it's not as radical interpretation of sex, but it's also really conservative, you know. It's nice. like, if you're a girly boy, then you must be really a girl. Or if you're a, a very masculine or gender-atypical girl, you must be a really big boy. You know, and you know people in the 60s would say, no, you're just gender-atypical, you know, you're probably lesbian or gay, and that's fine. You can just be the other one. Now you sort of have to have these kind of strict things. And also this kind of obsession with categorization and identity, which is like a very conservative thing. You know, like The conservative mindset needs categories because that's how they sort of see the world. That's how they order it. Um, so that is a very sort of conservative thing. So if you don't like categorization, if you don't like the sort of forced kind of almost like semi-religious like order of pride, which is very like you, you must do this because this is what the community does, then yeah you might turn against it i mean i think i don't think young people will be conservative i think they're probably be anti woke which is like more what you are like a liberal anti woke person mm. which there are a lot of people you know lots of people honestly will honestly say you know like i'm liberal but there's only one group of people who are basically like threatening my ability to sort of you know talk normally do this is what a lot of academics say sort of secretly um, about you know, liberal academics. who say, you know, the only people who bother me, who like make life difficult, are the kind of like progressive, mm-hmm. um, sort of ideologues who sort of run the place. Like no, no conservatives saying you can't study that or you have to do this or something. You know, if they were, they you know, if they were in power, they probably would, but you know, they're not. So, so that's what I'm asking you. Do you think there will be a flip where that changes? Because
2: I always laugh when people accuse me of being on the right because yeah. I'm like. I, am, I have almost no doubt that 15 years from now, I will be fighting against the right-wing, socially conservative, uh, religious right, as, as comedians like Bill Hicks and George Carlin were right. in the 90s. I, I have no doubt that there will be a point in my really? life where that, those are the people that, that I'm opposing. That sounds very optimistic to me. Yeah. That'd be great. I think that is optimistic, but you, you think that's not going to happen?
0: I think, I mean, I mean, I think there might be a religious right in Britain, that's powerful, but I don't think it will be a Christian one. Mm. Um, I, I think that's <laughs> uh,
1: Can I say that? that was yes. Come yes. on, let's explore
0: that. Um, I, I no, I don't think there's going to be. I think once a religion goes into decline, I think there's almost nothing that can be done to stop it. To be honest, um, and so I don't think there's going to be a religious movement. There's not, gonna, and I think without religion, you don't, don't really get social conservatism because the kind of default like mindset then becomes utilitarianism I mean if you're not religious then utilitarianism just makes so much sense that it's impossible to argue against really like um why is that? I just think it's I wouldn't say it's necessarily the best argument but like if you're trying to order a society how else are you going to do it? I mean if you're saying like you know the, the gay marriage thing if you're a kind of traditionalist Catholic or Anglican you say well marriage is a sacrament it says it has to be between a man and a woman if you the utilitarian say well marriage is about um, you know, people are loving each other and want to make a partnership. There's no utilitarian argument against it. Um, doesn't harm you. So why? You know, why not? There's, there are so many different examples of. Um, I'm trying to think. Where the move towards the utilitarianism is, is basically just inevitable if you're not religious. So I, I just don't think you can have a sort of socially conservative movement without religion. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I agree with you. And then I don't know You
0: are not going to be facing some sort of, like you know. Council of Vatican Index censors in fifteen years. I reckon it would just be like the same woke people, but even worse. Well, there you go, guys. That, <laughs> that's that's reassuring there. And even crazy a lot.
2: You, you, but I mean, we've always seen this throughout history—the ebbs and flows—and it's never linear in that right, way. Right? Yeah. You just think, do you? Do you think there's never going to be a pushback against this? It's just—it's going to be the new dogma of forever, and we're just going to get more and more progressive.
0: Uh, i don't know i i I think it's impossible to predict the future isn't it Mm. i mean people tend to predict what they want to believe i would love to think that you know the next generation i mean the only thing i you know i do lose this book is that there is huge birth gap between conservatives and liberals and it's really opened up It never used to be so you know liberal societies produce more conservative people i mean in the 50s i think in america you know the average liberal it was like three or four kids each and now it's like 2.2 kids versus one. And the difference is, you know, if you're a liberal person in the 60s, you'll probably still be basically pressured into getting married um, by social forces. Well, now there's more freedom. Everyone can basically choose their own little niche. But I I think now it'll take a long time to have an impact. Um, You know, we're talking about generations, and it's hard to say. I mean, there are so many different factors out there, aren't there? I mean, like, what is the Chinese influence on Western society going to be? I mean, is that, I mean, I'm pretty pessimistic, to be honest. I just think it'll be like unbelievably horrible, but um that will definitely affect how you know the left and right see each other that conflict
1: that is a very good point because that is a conflict that we're not talking about and that we seem to have buried our heads in the sand about because when you think about a lot of our huge you know multinational companies, they're in hock to China
0: yeah they all are yeah uh you know money talks, isn't it I mean the thing you know the Soviet Union was undeniably like. Force of evil, but it was also economically inept. So it was never going to really. I mean, once, once in the 70s, you know, Hungary and all these other countries were so in hock to the West for money. So once you, you know, once you owe people money, they basically control you. You know, but China. I mean, and you go back to the other sort of tyrannies we faced. um, You know, Nazism was utterly evil, but and you know, but it was inevitably going to lead to war very quickly, and we had to destroy it. Chinese communism, Chinese whatever it is. I mean they that is in a way more dangerous because they are we basically owe them, you know, huge amounts of money. And you know, what's gonna be what's gonna be, you know, done in exchange for that. So yeah, that's that's another thing to be pessimistic about, isn't it? I've think- got a few more to <laughs> 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 A few more black pills. Yeah. A few more black He started
2: yeah. off as a kid with the red pills, now he's dropping Moved on all the, to the black,
1: black, black pills, pills. Yeah. yeah. And do do you think Trump was right when he highlighted the threat of China?
0: Uh, I mean, that that's kind of universally accepted in, amongst Americans, isn't it? It's the only thing they agree on, Democrats yeah. and Republicans. Uh, I mean, I think in retrospect, I mean, it's great that, you know, there is a Steven Pinker side to me that, you know, it's great that poverty has declined, you know, mm. like every was every day, blah, blah, like blah. a million people come out of poverty. But a huge amount of that was through China's entry into the World Trade Organization 2001, um, which is probably like, uh, I didn't, you know, it wasn't as big as 9-11, obviously, as an issue, but it did... Basically, shipped two million, you know, American manufacturing jobs. It, you know, it triggered the basic the Great Awakening, the shift in American society was basically down to this change, uh, and at the same time, completely empowered China. Made you know, China-America is a is definitely a thing. And I don't, you know, they're not fools. The people who run the Chinese Communist Party, no, they they will want something back from it. And you know, slowly, slowly and surely, as British institutions are bought up by the Chinese, and you know, British public schools, British universities, British corporations. Eventually, the thing is, you know, that guy who's criticizing China on social media—it's like get rid of him. That will that will become a normal thing. And then I think, I think the kind of progressive taboos have almost made us more open to cowardice as well. This is what I'm slightly worried about. It's like if that becomes the norm, say, so, you know, well, you know, I can't say something about like, you know, George Floyd or the transgender movement. You know, maybe I should just keep quiet about the Chinese Communist Party, you know, because that's at least they've got loads of money. So. Um, you know, already there are lots of media people will be brought up with them. I mean, that's where the money is, isn't it? So, I mean, we've definitely got an oversupply of journalists who need money, so that'll be, like, very easy to get. Speaking of journalism, I mean, that's an
2: area, obviously, you're involved with directly yourself, but uh, I've been watching and commenting on the decline of the media right. for quite some time. We just had Glenn Greenwald on to talk about it. Right. What, what do you think has happened to the media? Uh, because... There's quite a lot of evidence that the Great Awakening is actually something that was led largely right, yeah, by yeah. elite discourse. New York Times, right, the most
0: evil newspaper in the world, but I mean, without doubt. And I, you know, I don't even say that ironically. Um, yeah, I mean, their use of, you know, core kind of moralizing words is just massively increased. You can, you know, those charts have been done by various academics. Um, yeah, I mean, that is it is a creation of a few journalists. I mean, the main thing is that obviously the internet has emptied it so it's just much cheaper to run these kind of, you know, cultural sort of articles than like a proper investigation or news story. That it's really expensive journalism. There's just not the money here for it. So it's much easier to make these kind of commentary things. Our chairs racist. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: But I mean but it it's got so much worse. I mean, you know, it's the there was an article the other day saying racial slur at baseball game or something, and it was like page and then you got to like Paragraph thirty six said, "Oh yeah, and it probably wasn't the n word; it was something else." <laughs> like, what the point was this entire article about? Someone says rude words, hold the front page. Um, yeah, they've definitely got worse, and, and there is, you know, there's definitely there is statistics on American journalists. Their political slant has, um, you know, hugely changed. I mean, they've always been more left centred because writers tend to be more left centred. But by by about by the time that Barack Obama uh, got elected. It was like overwhelmingly left centre, and you know, and public opinion, you know, public opinion is often not accurate, but they have a rough idea what's going on. So trust in the media is hugely increasing. Like, I think there's decreased, mm. decreased. Sorry, mm. the other one. Um, I think it was <laughs> like, you know, it was like nine out of ten Americans thought that you know the the media was basically trying to get Barack Obama elected. Of course they were. They were openly biased about the whole thing. And the thing about Trump is because Trump is like such like a comically bad guy you know, like a really funny and evil person who says terrible things, he, has this, he had this amazing ability to just basically draw out their extremism. Yeah. He would say something stupid, and their reaction was just like, you just revealed how mad you are as well. Like, you're the, you know, the thought leaders of the greatest country in the world, and you're at, utterly off your rocket, all of you. you know, so some of them, many of these people are just so much more extreme than the rest of the population. Like, how did you end up in positions of power? It's amazing.
1: But ironically, they need Trump.
0: Because the moment he left I mean, power, yeah, he was, all
1: their ratings and their, you know, went through the floor.
0: I know that they, they had a sort of dynamic, didn't they, together, the media and Trump? I mean, I think they source sort of turning against Biden now, aren't they? Mm,
2: looks like someone, that.
0: yeah, someone. I think someone tweeted out they actually like did the transcript of what you're saying. I mean, he's clearly not mentally at his best, and it was just um um um, and he just he's obviously yeah. So you know, they would never do that before, especially in the run-up to the election, where they sort of made it clear that, you know, their job was to get Biden elected.
1: Do you want to promote your business to an intelligent audience who don't need to know your
2: pronouns to buy your product? Here at Trigonometry, we have over 250,000 subscribers across the different platforms and we frequently get over three million views a month. That's a lot of new customers for your business.
1: We speak with some of the biggest guests from the worlds of politics, economics, journalism, arts and entertainment. All of them have spent at least one month in the gulag, so you don't have
2: to. And we'll match your product to the perfect guest for you. American sponsors will be matched with American guests and so on. That way, you know your advert has the best possible chance of getting to the right people. Or as
1: we call them, the wrong people. Advertise with us and we'll get your business cancelled or your money back. Contact us by email at marketing at triggerpod.co.uk and we'll make your nightmares come true. What happened to the idea of the media holding the powerful to account? Wasn't that the purpose of the media?
0: Um, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, yeah, obviously, I mean... It, I mean, yeah, it isn't it, in some ways? But I, I think when, you know, America is so polarized, isn't it? that it's it, people, once polarization hits a certain point, people don't really think about that. All that matters is like winning. All that matters is, you know, stopping the other side from scoring a point because it becomes so existential, isn't it? Stop. I mean, I kind of understand. Like, Trump was like, it was kind of unnerving, you know, seeing this is like a man in charge of America and he would tweet completely <laughs> reckless stuff. So I can see why you know it was such an exa- you know important point to get rid of him, um, but yeah, I think that once that happens, you know, there, you know there aren't that many people who would you know take a massive hit for their team if it was you know, if it was in the interest of democracy. I don't think we're, we're as bad. I mean, I did not I think we could get slightly as bad. Well, we could get worse, but I don't think we'll ever be. I don't think we can be as bad as America. Just as the dynamic of such a huge country, so sort of diverse and kind of, not just culturally but like socially as well.
1: What would you say to those people who go, look, actually, right, the old institutions are crumbling, but this is a good thing. This is important. This is necessary. They're no longer fit for purpose. Look at Unheard. Unheard has developed a huge fan base. Quillette, we've got Substack now, where people can go and access the journalists that they like and trust and pay for them Mm. and subsidise them. Isn't that a positive?
0: Um there isn't I mean the Substacks is a great idea in the sense that, you know, journalists can make more money, which is that a good journalist can make more money. And you know, I think the market dynamic. you know, market does reveal sort of essential truth about a lot of stuff. That, you know, if no one's gonna pay for your writing, then you're probably not a good writer. I, I think it is important to have like stuff like in, you know, investigative reporting. Like a lot of the really bad scandals are still done by that kind of old fashioned stuff. Mm-hmm. The BBC, the Guardian um, you know, I have a very love-hate relationship with The Guardian because I think it's so annoying in some ways. But it's just, it is such a great British institution. It's done, you know, amazing work down the years. Um, I just think it's wrong about everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, you Gu- know, I mean, The Guardian's always in financial trouble. If The Guardian closed, I I'd I'd think that's a really sad thing. That'd oh, be I think really, that's, that's a really sad thing. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, this the same same thing with the BBC. I mean, I think the BBC can't basically, it can't never stop its biases, but at least it kind of understands them and it tries, does believe in a sort of an idea that it should be impartial. I mean, compared to CNN, which is just junk, which is so, which is so bad, it's like caricature. Um, I'm kind of glad that we do have a sort of a state institution that at least tries to s- tries to be fair, at least you know it has some sort of idea. I mean, I wa- I don't think that will last because. Uh, if you look at the BBC website, which is written by the kids, it's just like, this is crap. I mean, this is this is what it's going to be like for everywhere in the BBC in 20 years' time. It's again, it's a generational shift, which it's makes so me so interesting worrying.
2: you say that because that was one of the things that I, you know, having done quite a bit of TV now, it's one of the things that I never knew before I started being on these programs and whatever. Television is basically made by 20-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. I never realised that. that never, yeah, never, yeah. Almost all of the people you encounter up up to the level of, like, executive producer. They're all in their early 20s. Yeah. So th- I, I just think it's kind of inevitable, that, therefore, that if all the researchers and all the people that are making most of the decisions, because they are making most of the decisions.
0: They're the gatekeepers, and those are the, that's the real power. Uh, a lot of that, then. Um, which is tangentially, stuff like, you know... Uh, I'll answer this in a minute. Well, I mean, on the, look at Sky. Sky was, you know, quite it wasn't right wing, but it was kind of like an ITV, you know, it felt like sort of middle England and now sky is very, very more great. It's much more like CNN mm-hmm. and that's a generational thing. People mm-hmm. tell me that, you know, the young ones come in and say, Oh, you know, in the morning meetings that oh, we must cover this sort of classic progressive issue. And then you raise sort of a more, you know, delicate right wing issue. Um, maybe something is going on in Rotherham or something. And then they say, no, 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 I don't think that's appropriate for, and you know, those decisions made by the gatekeepers, um, yeah, you know, that's yeah you know, the generational thing is what worries me you know that harper's letter on mm. that it was about the trans thing wasn't it i think everything's about the trans thing these days. <laughs> and all these you know I, I really admire these old style centrist liberals they believe and you know they believe in freedom of speech they believe in, in this kind of i think slightly naive idea that if you all talk about stuff you'll come to a reasonable you know idea and they believe also that their opponents aren't evil which is like the central liberal idea but, you know, look at the average age. It's all about people, Stephen Pink and J.K. Rowling and all these people. You know, I think, great. The average age was like 65. While the, the average age of people, you know, denouncing them, who wanted them all on the chopping block, they were like 28. It's like, this is awful. Like, this is what our future's going to be. Like, do
1: you know what he's, t- a, he's an optimist, man.
0: Yeah,
1: he is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm imagine gonna get, me, imagine
0: being stuck with me for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I do not envy your wife, yeah, yeah. mate. Yeah, yeah. 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 It,
1: so let's get a little bit conspiratorial about this. Do you Great. think that there is? Wuhan. Look at this. Yes, Wuhan. Let's yeah. get, the,
2: get the joints out for yeah. the lads.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you not think there is an element of divide and conquer about the trans issue, about all of this stuff that we talk about? Because we're so focused on these particular issues that we don't, for instance, see you know. Pretty Patel bringing in, you know, bills, you know, that are going to limit the rights of journalists, limits of people's ability to protest. So it's a classic diversionary distraction tactic, would you say?
0: No, I don't think people think that through, probably. I mean, I don't, think, I, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I don't think people are capable, functional. Like, government can barely function. Imagine the British government actually organising a conspiracy. They're completely screwed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just think these things happen independently. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely suits certain interests that... People aren't focused on things, you know, like freedom. You know, bills involving limiting people's freedoms protest. or I mean, the big one is, you know, ten fifteen years ago, it was all about, you know, the Occupy, wasn't it? About the one percent, right? Say, so that, that is economic issue, right. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely suits big corporations to go, "Oh, look at gay rights, trans rights, look how nice." we Which are. Which is BLM. why they give money to BLM. And yeah, they give like a, I mean, the amount oil. of money they give to BLM, you know, without wanting to libel anyone. I mean, a lot of people involved in these movements have. T- I've done quite well. I mean, you might, you know, be a genuine believer in that. But if, you know, if I was able to get a million dollars for my beliefs, I would definitely believe them more. (laughs) And it's, you know, so like all these companies, I I get on my Twitter, I get all these sponsored things from all these like massive big banks um, telling me about, you know, we must talk about diversity today. We really believe in diversity. This is great. Equality. And these are like the richest, like most sinister banks in the world. I mean, these are like, this is the man, right? They loaned the drug money. <laughs> I mean. And then it, they talk about diversity. I mean, like it's, uh, I started the thing on, you know, the hypocrisy of work capital. And after a while, I just, I got so many examples. I just thought, I thought maybe I'll write a book about this. But just after a while, I just, there are so many, it just seems that like no one cares. It's just, it's like so absurd. Mm. It's like, so it's just a humorous thing now. You know, it's like. Surrey gay pride was sponsored by BAE systems. They're like literally selling like, <laughs> <this girl laughs> watched, like planes it. to Saudi exactly. Arabia. Like, see the kids <laughs> in Yemen. <laughs> see the kids in Yemen get blown up. It's like, and literally it's all uh, uh, all these and all these companies um, you know promoting and like you know, if you pay whatever 1% of your corporations to pay off some person to say you're pro-diversity, that's like nothing. Like imagine compared to a government saying, oh, we're gonna we're gonna massively punish you with taxes, which is what like the orthodox left would like. Um, I mean, I've become, as I get older, I'm like more, I suppose, anti-business just because, but I think it must be just like the the culture must be the driver because I think you you people are horrible. Like you're so cynical and manipulative. I'd much rather they were more like, we are more economically left-wing than social. I mean, I think that it's old-fashioned that poverty actually does matter. It's like a real issue in the same way that people's sexual identity is like much higher on the pyramid of needs, right? you need food first before you can start thinking about your like higher spiritual needs. Um, yeah. I mean, that definitely, I don't think it's conspiracy, but it definitely, it sort of incentivizes people yes. to make that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I worked very briefly in a strange career path, like working for a financial company, mm. just writing stuff. I mean, it was it's was weird. I mean, unbelievably intelligent people like it makes you realize journalists are quite thick. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was easily the stupidest person, like by far. And, they, you know, everyone there was like pro Remain, for example. because that, that's definitely in their interests. But they, you know, they would be quite liberal people, probably like more old-fashioned liberal. They're not like radicals, but they would accept. Like it's easy for easy for them to accept like progressive rule. They could get it. They could they could live with it. Um, because it's not threatening their financial interests. Of course. I mean, liberalism does drive. You know, economic and social liberalism do go together. There is a reason why Britain is one of the most liberal countries in the world. It's the city of London is the prime driver. Mm. I mean, Thatcher was the creator of the sort of, you know, the younger generation liberals. Um, liberals, because I think inevitably it kind of becomes more and more extreme until you know it's no longer liberalism anymore. Um, where we, were we getting? we were just getting depressed. We that's where we were. It's just a piece of isn't it? Just, sorry about that but but it's a good point we'll you We'll just mate. take cyanide pills it? <laughs> Family dinners must yeah. be
2: must be fun at the West House. Oh
0: yeah, I mean my kids are going to grow up. I'm just I, I've kind of kept off my real views to them a little bit. I don't want to I want them to sort of be to be liberal as their kids. I want them to be, you know, enjoy your life. Go to all these demos, get get stuck in it, be fun, you know. And then when you're a bit older, you can, you know. Take, Realize take, it's all bollocks. Here's the red pill, here's the black pill. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Just enjoy yourself, you know. But um no, yeah, I keep, but I that's keep a afire. big
2: worry. I, I don't know. I, I can't speak for everybody, but it's, it's certainly a big worry for me. Is like bringing children into this world, if if you're describing it accurately, and then what
0: are you bringing them in the world to? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I hear that a lot, I and mean, it's no, more about the the environmental thing. It's normally that. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, quite, quite pessimistic about the future of England, really. I mean, a lot will depend what happens in America, basically. We're basically dependent on them. We're basically dependent on America taking the right cultural choices now and not becoming more divided and more extreme and, and sort of more... I don't know, my basic like, fundamental problem with liberalism is that... And liberalism in kind of both senses of the world is that it just makes people unhappy, ultimately. You just end up lots of really um, kind of lonely, disappointed people uh, who make really bad choices in their lives. While sort of you need kind of, you know, basic, not instruction, but you need you need kind of basic pathways, this is what you're going to do unless you really um, unless you really feel otherwise, you know, this is the normal thing that most people do in life. Uh, but, you know, the new order will just encourage people to make terrible, terrible life choices. I mean, the classic one, to come back to this, you know, why don't you go and mutilate yourself so you can't have children later, which is, you know, loads and loads of girls are getting this message from TikTok. Just, like, let out all your most most like anti-social disagreeable personality traits and just you know i mean the tiktok thing is what really that's the really depressing thing as a parent that is like the the pathway to such terrible ideas it's um it's just basically a complete moral anarchy in there it's really it's actually quite disturbing so So, let's get
1: into that so what's going on on tiktok god i feel like yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
0: it is is really okay this is (laughs) one of the things you can't say that you probably get in trouble for is like girls tend to be like a bit more conformist than boys. I mean, and that's one thing Jordan Peterson says and like, he says, wow, you can't say that. It's like, it's blandly obvious. So teenage girls are particularly susceptible to ideas, to spread of ideas, like, m- like memes that can spread because Social they're contagion. Social contagion. Um, so, you know, it was anorexia at one point point. there is still anorexia, self harm and stuff. Um, like TikTok is just a complete world of that, you know. Um, all these terrible ideas are spread, and you know, th- one of the problems you know we have generally society is that no one wants to be the adult. No one wants to say, "No, you can't do that." I'm telling you, no, it's not happening. Everyone wants to be your friend, and that can of extends to children. Oh, you must make the right choice in uh, life. Um, that's really not a good idea with children. I mean, I say, as, as as a teenager, I made terrible choices. I had no common sense, no real wisdom. I'm, I'm not particularly wise now, but. You know, you need people to have these kind of guides, guides to your life. This is the kind of, this is what you should do. This is how you should behave around people. Um, And TikTok is just all sorts of rubbish coming in. I mean, I think the Chinese do actually censor it, which is, or at least they sort of fix it. So it's pro Chinese or what they want people to Mm. um, do. While the Western one is just anarchy. So it's just complete crazed. I mean, I think that is also what the, the Chinese lesson will. To us in the future, with their sort of societies, like we 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 have it ordered, so you do certain things. I think that will appear attractive to some people who have enough of sort of the anarchy of what the Western model. Um, that's a bit of a side issue. Yeah, yeah. TikTok is just bad. It's and really, really I bad? If I have
2: kids, they're not getting a smartphone until they're about 30. Correct.
0: Well, yeah. Well, actually, that is. A, I mean, that's an example where you know I think they should just be should be banned for under 16s. It's very, if all the other kids have, you know, smartphones, it's very hard to say to your child, you know, you're N- going to be the only not one. In, not in you're going to be the weird kid. who wasn't allowed ITV as a kid. You know, he wasn't allowed yeah. to watch Grain Chill or you know those, You're going to be that social outcast. It's very hard. Those kids are conformists, basically.
2: Mate, my kids are going to be social hour no matter what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, man,
1: it's been an hour and it's flown it over? by. It's fine by. There's one question I want to ask at the end, right? Just this one, right. you know. So you're saying society's going to hell in a handcuff. Why the handcuff? But, but
2: <laughs> the thing that I've really enjoyed about this, though, it's, it's presented in this sort of... Uh, playful, English, unattached yeah. way. That might be ironic. I and, don't and, know. And, you know. Nobody don't knows, know. and it's quite enjoyable, and it's a bit light-hearted, but we are all about to die.
1: Yeah, We're, but uh, here's the thing. Isn't that the classic Conservative position? Conservatives yep. have always gone, society's about to crumble, Everything. shit. And will be right eventually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like my granny always thought she was dying. She was proved correct eventually, yeah. after 50, 60 years. Mm.
2: There we go. Do you have any evidence that... There's, you're more accurate, you're closer to, the, like, the, there was a point when your granny saying she was about to die was actually starting to get pretty yeah, accurate. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you have any evidence to suggest that your diagnosis for society is actually a little bit more accurate than I don't it, I mean, it would have been 20 years ago?
0: Uh, I think if you went, I mean, I don't know, we were talking about this in the office. If you went back to 2001 and you explained our world to them, it would be pretty weird to explain the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, we just got the Taliban one. There's a war in Syria, which Al-Qaeda, like one of the moderate groups, you know, like, the, the main issue is about the rights for people like me to go to women's toilets. Um, that's like the cutting edge of like s- social justice. Um, and know, by I, the way, the
2: government's just locked you in your house for 15 months.
0: Yeah, was, we didn't actually mention lockdowns. So that's interesting. Mm. Um, see, I've forgotten about COVID already. It's just, it's all over. Um, <coughs> uh yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say we're doomed. I think things will just, like, continue as normal, won't they, for a while. I mean, I can't predict more than 20 years. I think we'll just slowly try to run. I don't think we're going to have, like, apocalypse yet, are we? I don't know. Maybe climate change would actually do that. Great. Uh, so, guys, <laughs> anyway. uh, tune in next week uh, for the End of the World
2: uh, yeah. interview. Ed, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I really enjoyed reading uh, Small Men on the Wrong Side of History. Thank you. Um, and as always, we've got before we do our questions for our
1: local supporters, um, uh, we've got one more question for you. Which is always, what's the one thing we're not talking about, but we really should be?
0: I kind of actually mentioned it. It's the kind of TikTok and the influence it's having on um, teenagers. My most pessimistic thing about Western society is that the victims of ideologies do tend to be young girls. That's and and I think that's definitely the case. Uh, the uncertainty now about like the sex revolution. The biggest victims of that are basically teenage girls who are, you know, all the studies show that they are just more and more miserable and, unha- you know, sort of confused about everything. Um, and, you know, if you spend any time online, that's clearly true of, mm. you know, you know, even after they're 18, you know, in their 20s, so many of them seem to be like much unhappier than they used to be. And, I, you know, I think that's sort of the end of liberalism, really. That's the sort of end product. That's why people have this kind of need for certainty. the need and use sort of order telling them what to do. Sorry, that sounds very fascistic, doesn't it? <laughs> you we know, must like, have <laughs> ordnung! Um, but I think, yeah, that would be like a progressive... You know, that's you know, that's why the sort of people will turn... I think there is definitely things people will turn about against, like, sex positivity in the future. There will be some... I mean, I think like, you would talk about... Um, Will there be a reaction? There'll be small little reactions in certain areas, I think. Yeah. There won't be a big Christian religious revival, but there'll be certain areas where there's a lot of like kickback. Um, while in other areas, you know, things will go on, I think.
1: Ed, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. If people want to find you, where's the best place to do that?
0: Uh online it's not your house. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess on Twitter, just Ed West or Unheard, obviously. If unheard, you find me. There's a picture of me somewhere.
2: And where can they get the book?
0: I guess Jeff Bezos is
2: probably a the thing. But... <laughs> <laughs> there, there we go. We've all sold out. Uh, Ed, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for watching at home and listening. We will see you very soon with another brilliant interview like this one or our show. All of them go out at 7pm UK time, which is 2pm
1: Eastern. Take care and see you soon, guys. We hope you've enjoyed this incredible interview. Remember to subscribe. And hit the bell button so that you never miss another fantastic episode.
2: And if you believe that the work we do here at Trigonometry is important, support us by joining our Locals community using the link below.
1: Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link
2: in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.